Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the words of songs that guide us to be able to give praise to you. And we just ask that all that we do today would be to glorify you. We pray for Randy as he shares the word with us today. And thank you for each one that has come. And we'll ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. I really think that all we had to do was sing them four or five songs over and over today until the Holy Spirit really worked in our hearts because there was a message in every one of them songs, wasn't there? And um, I was thinking about the Michael W. Smith song, the very first one, The Waymaker, and how many times that he said that he was, God was here. Jesus was here. Jesus was here. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, Jesus is here. If we've had him in our heart as our Savior, as our personal rescuer, he's here no matter where we're at. And church, that song was written back probably during COVID time, if I remember right, because people didn't know which way to go, what to do, who to believe, and what not to believe. And he said that our Jesus is with us every day, didn't he, in that song? The way maker, promise keeper, and that's our Jesus. That goes right along with our, my message today. It's going to be a little bit different probably than, well, any time I've ever spoke, it's probably been different than most pastors. But I'm different, so I'm going to do it my way today. But I, I'm going to praise God, and I'm going to give him all the thanks because I don't know why I say this, but for some reason, what I'm going to speak on, we talked about in Sunday school. The songs that we talked about, sang a while ago, they all fit right together. And I, I should be, shouldn't be amazed because God knew exactly how to plan this day, didn't he? He is amazing. Every day, he's amazing, even though it's difficult. Am I on? Okay. Um, Well, it said I was going to be outside in the bulletin. So how about that? Um, I'm on a, a few weeks back, maybe a month ago. I sound real loud now, don't I? Uh, Joe was asking us to uh, for testimony time. And I've always said that if there's an opportunity to give your testimony, you better not pass it up. Because I always say God's going to eat your lunch later. Because if you don't give your testimony uh, when it's, it's your turn, then you will feel bad about it. And, but he said in that he wanted testimony, but he said he wanted somebody to give a testimony and just think a word or a phrase that describes our Father in heaven. And the word that come right immediately to my mind was my God is determined. He's determined to see what he started in me all the way out. He's determined to see me become the, the Christian man that he wants me to be. There's been struggles. There's been times when I got away from him. There's been times when it didn't really please him. And, and so I'm on, here in a minute, I'm going to give you my testimony which I thought about that for a minute because it's, it's going to be on 
national television. And I thought, well, that would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? And you know what? Isn't that how we hide a lot of times from giving our testimony and standing up for who God is in our hearts because we're embarrassed because somebody might see us being a little bit open? So that's going to tie into my next point that how this all got put together was we've been studying revelations. And sometimes people study revelations just to see what the end is going to be like. But when we're talking about the seven churches, and I'll be honest with you, Revelation is all about Jesus. The whole Bible, from every page, every word, every sentence, every paragraph, is about Jesus. He should be important in our lives, and we should think about Him always. But we're talking about the seven churches, and you know how the seven churches and Revelations, God said, or Jesus told John, and John got, however that went down. Anyway, well, you did pretty good, but you've been doing this wrong. And, and he got to the, the Philadelphia church, the church of Philadelphia, and he said this. He said, you re- did real good, but remember the one that's a descendant of David and the one that can open and shut the door. And I think what he was telling the church of Philadelphia is you need to be out and be witnessing. You need to be telling people because in a few days later we're going to talk about things that's going to be tough on people. Now I don't know where we're at in that scale or that time that God's talking about. But I wonder, and the church is not the bricks, it's not the belfry, it's not the fellowship hall, it's not the pews. It's us. We are the church. So the people of Philadelphia should be taking that as a church. We need to be out. They need to be out telling people about Christ. So if I can use my testimony, and if I can use, I'm going to go to the Romans way, the Roman road. Because I wonder if there's somebody that might, might, for coincidence, see me on YouTube, they might get a chance to hear the way to Christ. They might be the only time they hear the way to Christ. And I wonder if I can use this platform that I have to talk about Jesus, my Savior. Joe does a great job, our pastor. He talks, from, whether it's in Psalms, whether it's in Philippians, whether it's in First Thessalonians, but he always incorporates Jesus in that. Talks about this, how important it is. And that's kind of what I would like to do. I can't do it near as smooth as Joe does, but I'm going to try. Let's pray. Father God, I, Father God, I am just certain today. I am certain, Lord, that you can take my words that you've put into me. I can take the words written in this Bible and we can make it influence somebody to love you, accept you, and lean on you and not be shameful for their past. Lord, I feel certain today that somebody will be listening that needs to hear these words, Lord. And I am certain that you can take what I have to say, my, my way of saying it, Lord, and you can apply it, you can influence them. And Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, how that Holy Spirit can in, just nudge them a little bit, can get into their heart, can get into their life, Lord. And Lord, nothing's more special, Lord, is we can trust you in our lives. Nothing more special 
but how that we can trust you and accept you as our Savior, Lord. Nothing more important. All the things that we love, family, whatever, Lord. I just thank you for the how that you've influenced many people in this church over the years to trust you and love you and respond back to your love. As while ago as when we sing in, Lord, if we couldn't respond back to them songs on how great you are, Lord, we need to have an evaluation check, Lord. Lord, help me be with the congregation. Be with the ones in our church family that's hurting, that's struggling, doing uh, with illness. Help them that way, Lord. Be with the ones that's sitting here today, Lord, that just uh, got pain or whatever, Lord. Be with them and let us to enjoy this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. October 11th, 1955, a 44-year-old lady was carrying her seventh child. Had a four-year-old son running around in the house, that big guy right there. He was probably lining up every little toy soldier just in the right way and then went back and realigned them again because he has that habit of realigning things, putting it in the right place. Had a Probably a fifth grader at school, a 15-year-old, a boy, fifth grader, sixth grader, something like that, a 15-year-old girl at school, had another boy that was out working, another boy, a sister was down in Edwardsville, and a brother, my oldest brother at the time, was getting ready to have a son of his own a month later after me. But my mom was doing the normal thing that she always does. And on the seventh month of my time to get ready to come out, that didn't sound good, did it? But anyway, uh, it was the seventh month of her pregnancy, and something happened. And I don't know what happened to this young man. I, I can't, I thought about that a while ago, but she started hemorrhaging. And. She was in the kitchen. The story is told to me this way. And the kids come home from school, and my sister, Phyllis, she tells me that she come in and saw Mom in a pool of blood. And Mom says, go get one of the neighbor ladies and go get Dad. And Dad would have been about from here to a little past the hardware store, at the feed store, at the horse barn or wherever he was doing, training mules or whatever he was doing at the time. So she got the neighbor and she ran to get my dad, hollered and she thinks she tells a story that somehow she heard him, heard her and she come down to rescue. They come to get me, us, I wasn't born yet. Went to the Carrollton of the hospital And dad had to make a decision whether it would be mom or me. He had kids at home. That had been a tough decision, wouldn't it? But somehow God stepped in there. That's pretty weak. God stepped in there. And mom lived. Look at me. I'm living. And that's where the determined thing comes in. As that I wasn't probably expected at that time, back in 1955, they didn't have all the necessities to keep me going, did it? 
but it all worked out. When mom was close to her death, a, little, a lady from the Murrayville Church went to her. Mom accepted Christ as her Savior. In 1976, I'll back up. We had moved from Rockbridge to Greenfield twice. We moved to Second House, Methodist Church there, Pentecostal Church there. Might have been another church somewhere close. But in the times that I lived there, going to school there, I never was invited to church. Nobody ever took the time to say, let's go to church. My sister would have been the one to invite me. I would have went home with her. But So as my upbringing, there was no God ever announced. There was no God shown. But God had a plan, didn't he? And... So after I got graduated away from high school, I went up to live with my sister at Murrayville and worked there, and they went to church. I'd go to church, and then I, you probably heard this story. I've told my testimony several times, but they would sing just as I am. And the Holy Spirit was starting to work in my heart. I was hearing the Word taught, and just as I am, I would hang on to that pew and I would, I can't go. I can't go up there. You know, somebody might see me. I then run across at the basketball court, a pretty lady right over there, uh, who was going to church. I started to be involved in a youth group. And God don't stop working on you. He got a hold of me, 19, July 4th, 1976. Uh, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Rough beginning, but God was in control. He was determined to see me up here today. He was determined to see every one of my kids raising their kids up in church. He was determined to see two, few more of my siblings get saved. He was determined to see the work in your lives too. And he has love that is way beyond anything we can imagine. And even when we're struggling, even when we can't understand it, he still loves us with more than we can understand. So I said I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. So I would like to show you how, who Christ is, and how come he has the ability to be my Savior. And I'd like to show you what he does for us. If we turn our Bibles over to Romans, and we look at chapter 1. It's called, called the salvation way. It's called the Romans way. It's called whatever. And, and actually, I go to Romans, and I write down the, the chapter that I would like to go to, the verse I would like to go to. So I would, and I did this in Sunday school. But there might be a time, guys, there might be a time where somebody is struggling a little bit, and you can just read these verses and God will do the rest. 
It's not my opinion. It's not something that I've dreamed up. It's exactly what God wrote in his word, and it is true. Who is Jesus? Let's look in verse chapter 1. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Okay, so Paul, we know all about him. And right off the bat, he addresses who he is. He's a servant of Christ, of God. And then he goes on, the gospel he promised. So there was prophecy. If you look in Isaiah, if you look in Malachi, if you look in Micah, if you look in Genesis, this is prophecy. And Paul was saying it. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture regarding his son, this is God, regarding his son, Jesus, who as it to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all Gentiles to the disobedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. So right off the bat, Paul says that Scripture, this isn't something Paul made up. This isn't something he dreamed up. He's, he's quoting prophecy. He's quoting what has been told to all these people before. It says that Paul didn't invent something new, but he said something old. The plan of God, the good news. This is good news, folks. This, if you grab a hold of Jesus, if you grab a hold of him, if you've never did that, if you accept him as your Savior, you got hope. You got power. And the, the very center of good news word is a person, Jesus Christ. The very center of everything that goes on in this Bible is about Jesus Christ. That was God's plan. It said that right off the bat, it said that Jesus had an earthly life. That's true, isn't it? We know all about the story, how he got here, don't we? I'm not, I don't have time to go back through all that. I could if I was sitting down in front of you. I could show you where Jesus was born of a virgin birth. He was a descendant of David. It's prophesied that this Jesus, this Savior, would come from David, didn't it? It says, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed? The Son of God. It's, it shows that this is God's Son. He was earthly. He was a descendant of David. He, this is God's Son. He should have the right for my salvation, shouldn't he? He should have the ability to do that. That's what it says. And it says, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not, it's not my faith. It was Jesus' faith. It was Jesus who did this. And he raised himself out of the grave. That shows his power. That shows who he is. He is he's from heaven. It shows his deity. It shows who he is. That's who this Jesus is that I accepted as my Savior. He, he, is, he is the one. The resurrection of Jesus shows his divine power because he arose by his own power. John 2, 19 says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. That's who he's talking about when, 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 when John said that. He's talking about Jesus. He is the temple that he's talking about. Verse 5, since we are sinful people, we have to realize here in a minute, we know that Jesus has the ability to do it. We have to realize that we're sinners, don't we? We have to understand that. Since we are sinful people, we need righteousness, and Jesus can give that. 
So let's, let's move on. Jesus is the answer. Let's turn to Romans 3, chapter, uh, verses 21 through 26. This is, we, we saw who Jesus has the ability. We saw that, that he had the ability to do give us salvation. And now we're going to see, we're going to have to be made right. They had a law back then, and they didn't get it right. They couldn't never get it right. They could never be, they could never be right in front of God's eyes. They could never remain holy. We, we was all going to mess up. And sin started years ago in mankind. Verse 21, righteousness through faith is titled. But now apart from the law, righteousness of God has been made known to which the law, the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. To all who believe. Remember that. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't, we can't get away from it. Sin was brought onto this earth by Adam and Eve. And it's, it's going to be here. It's going to be here. It's going to be here. Until whatever revelation says is going to happen. It's going to be here. Verse 24, and all are justified. We are proven, I mean, we're justified freely by his grave through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to receive by his faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed before unpunished. Paul states that righteousness is not by by faith, but it is through faith. It's not by faith, it is through faith. We don't even earn, we don't earn righteousness by our faith. We receive righteousness through the faith in Jesus Christ. We receive it. It's a gift, what I'm trying to say here in a minute. Righteousness is not earned, it is given as a gift. Through Jesus, through what Jesus did. It's not by my faith, it's through Jesus' faith. Verse 23, there was a universal problem. Everyone was a sinner. Everybody was a sinner. Everybody, whether you was Jew or Gentile, was a sinner. Verse 24, but we can be justified freely by His grace that came through Jesus Christ. Declared free of guilt. When we're justified, we're declared free of guilt. The sin that we might do, the sin that was in front of us, the sin that was going to be behind us, we're free of the guilt if we trust in Jesus. We are justified. We're proven right. We're proven in God's holiness. Verse 25, God pays the price for our redemption through Jesus' blood on the cross. The perfect sacrificial atonement. If you study in the Old Testament, they, they had sacrifices to uh, cleansing uh, of their, their sins. And they brought, they brought the perfect, the best atonement of sin, a per sacrifice in there, didn't they? And, and this was what Jesus was. He was perfect. He was justified. He was righteous. It was the, most, it was the only atonement for me and you to cover my, our sins. We are justified if we have faith in Jesus Christ. The perfect sacrificial atonement Sin demands punishment. Christ took that punishment. Sin demands punishment. Christ took that punishment. 
Jesus was, was just. He has a right to justify us. We must rely on Jesus as our Savior, have confidence that his death was enough. It speaks of the, the present time. The present time is very important because God waited to the right time, didn't he? He could have did it any time, but God waited the right time when, when the whole world needed a Savior. And, and then he sent Jesus to die on the cross to do her, his work. God knew where the sin was heading, and he came to help through Jesus Christ. God still has control of the perfect time for everybody. God's still in control, and he still can deal out that perfect time. Sometimes it's just me being to repent of what I just did. Sometimes it might be somebody that's never ever accepted Jesus as their Savior. That perfect time. But the perfect time that God brought Jesus out from heaven and sent him down to die for our sins, to be that perfect redemption, should be something that we remember forever and ever. Should be something maybe that we think about daily is what Jesus did for us and for our lives. So, the forgiveness of sin through Christ, I pointed out that Jesus was powerful enough, He was divine enough, He could do that for us. He was justified, and now we can be justified. If we turn to Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal in Christ Jesus our Lord. So uh, we've talked about their sin. We've talked about what Jesus did on, on the cross for sin. And it says that the wages of sin on our lives, the wages of sin that will separate us from Christ, from, G from God. Sin separates us. We can't be, in, God looks down upon sin. But we can accept that, uh, the, the sin, and we can separate ourselves from that by trusting in Jesus. Eternal life is a gift from God, not something we earn or something we can never pay back. Eternal life that we can have by accepting Christ our Savior is something that we can never pay back. We have the freedom to trust in Christ or not trusting in Christ. We have that freedom, don't we? We all had a choice. We always was given that choice to accept Him. But we can't change the outcome of either choice. I can't change if I accept Christ as my Savior. I can't change the fact that I will have eternal life. And if I never did, I can't change the fact that it says that fallen in sin is death, is wages of death. I can't, and to me is, if you don't accept Christ as your Savior, and if you're separated from God that has provided for you, loves you more than anybody else, and the separation part of it would be enough, be enough to kill you, wouldn't it? To think about where you're going to be. You're going to be separated for Christ. And I just, I guess I can't understand the difference why people wouldn't want to accept Jesus. But I was there at one time. I, I, I can understand that too. But we can't change the outcome of either choice. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, we can't change it. God's in control of that. If we choose Christ, we have eternal life. If we choose sin, we have death. The free gift of God is the, is the choosing, 
one way or the other, God's overwhelming gift of grace, eternal life. We got to choose. We got a choice. We give us free choice to choose. And, and I'll go back to me. I, I really believe that when I was that baby, I think, I think there was an urging in my, in me. I think there was something come over me. I, I I think that that's the way God works. He starts in you, and He stays with you. And I think that it says that in somewhere in the Bible, I've lost track of that scripture, but He knew us before we was ever born. He knew us. He, he, and it also says that he knows who's going to believe in him. He, he, he says that right off the bat. And so we have a choice to choose God's way or not. Let's turn to Romans 5, 8. Let's go up there at about verse 6. And you'd have to go back after you see the, the beginning of the verse. It says, you see, John wrote that down, but he said, you see. So you'd have to go back and read some little bit more. Uh, you'd have to go back up into verse 5 maybe. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly, die to, possibly dare to die. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have now received reconciliation. Basically, he says here that and really, the whole chapter of verse chapter five is powerful. If you would go back, and I thought I was speaking tonight, and I was going to speak on the, the, the first half of chapter five, but the other Randy is going to speak tonight, and I'm going to play the piano. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, we'll see how that goes. But God's love was demonstrated for all mankind at the cross through Jesus Christ. And we could, we've discussed this many times and heard it preached many times is how, how that you could send your son to die on the cross and, and how that, you know, how that can all be. And, and, it's, and it's said in the verse there, why would, would somebody ever dare to die for somebody else? Whether they was rich or poor or noble or wealthy. It's just amazing. And, and it's just unbelievable the fact that what Jesus did and he did it willingly he did it freely he stepped up, stepped up the bat as we can say we if we choose Christ I better get down here to these notes a very powerful chapter so much strength and hope in it 
Verse 8, God's love was demonstrated for all mankind at the cross through Jesus. We was powerless against sin. We couldn't justify ourselves. Christ died for the ungodly. If we do not believe in, in, in what Christ has done, if we do not believe the love of what God has for us, then we're just the opposite. We're the ungodly. You can live that life for a while. You can live that life of ungodly life, of living in sin your whole life. But what if? What if you don't have Christ in your heart? What if you don't have that defeat of sin that will allow us to have eternal life? And something happens. And you don't have another breath in your body. What I just told you a while ago is that death stays permanent. But if you believe in what Christ has done, if you believe in what God has done to sacrifice, to justify you, to make you right in front of God, you have that opportunity to live an eternal life if you accept and truly believe in what Christ has did for you and what he will, how he will, he will help you through from there on through all sufferings, everything. And if you're holding back because you have shame in your life, it's already been covered. Christ wants you to come and be loved by him for what he's did for you. Don't let shame ever hold you back from stepping up from your pew like I did and just as I am. But I waited a while. But what if something would have happened to me? I would have been separated from God Christ the rest of my life. And I'm so thankful that it didn't happen that way. Let's run over to verse chapter 10 and we'll find, finish this up. Romans 10. This probably could be a, a, a verse, a verse set of verses that some people will disagree with if you listen to it and read it the wrong way. But verses... Uh, Chapter 10, verses 9, and actually I'll read probably verse 8 in there. Verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If we declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In order to be accept and be have salvation of what Jesus offers me, we must recognize who He is, what He did, and how He can help us. The separation. We must recognize that Jesus is the Messiah our saving grace, and that His work on the cross is the only way for salvation. Somebody's going to disagree with the point is that you've got to confess with your mouth. It is not a magical words that you say. It's already been done. It's already been filled in your heart. 
But I think there's a thing, well, maybe what I'm doing right now, there, there's a, you proclaim what happened. You testify what happened. You speak out, and I don't think you can hold it back. I think if you've truly been saved, you will want to say something. I think it just comes out in you. We are merely, there's no magic in the word that saves us. That's what I'm going to say. It's not what you say in this prayer that we always refer to. It's not what you say. It's what's right here. And you proclaim it. You said, this is just what happened to me, and I thank you, and I want change in my heart. I'm not going to have you repeat anything like some people do, but we got to think about this. We are merely agreeing with what God said and Jesus, and we should never stop declaring who Jesus the Messiah is. From that first day that I accepted Christ, and I, I, they call it the sinner's prayer, but I said that I, I said a lot of things because I was trying to get my sister's health back together. I wanted to be with my wife over here in heaven. And they talked about heaven and they talked about hell. They talked about separation. And I heard all these great songs sung to me. I wanted it. I still want it. I still want it. Singing them songs a while ago, man. The days that I don't think Jesus is around me, he's around me. He's there. He's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. We should hold our arms up and praise him. I'll go on with what I was talking about. Jesus on the work on the cross is only way of salvation for mankind. Not what we say in the prayer. What we see, what he did, what we believe, what we trust in. We must have more than just knowledge or head knowledge about the cross. We must have believed in our heart and if we add proclaiming into that, with your mouth proclaiming that, what Jesus did on the cross, our faith becomes stronger. Belief and confessing results in righteousness. Belief and confessing and salvation. Confirming his salvation. 11 and 13. Let me see where they're at here. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. You'll never, if you're holding back because you did something and you think that Christ won't love you, don't hold back. Don't let shame hold you back. If you do something after you accept Christ as your Savior, don't let shame hold you back from ever working for Christ again because He will forgive you if you ask for forgiveness. He will forgive you of the past. He will forgive you after you accept Christ. He'll never, ever, ever, ever put shame on your heart. Verse 11, it said, Anyone who believes Him will never be put to shame. I'll read 12 in with that. For there is no difference between a Jew or a Gentile. So this is for everybody. The same Lord, Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on, his, on the name of the Lord will be saved. However you do it. I said I was saved on July 4th, 1976. That's when I... That's when I went into the church house and I told the preacher what had happened after his sermon. 
But I firmly believe that it happened a couple days prior to that in my bedroom, all alone, worried about a lot of things, thinking about a lot of things, thinking about the separation that I may not ever have, thinking about my future wife that we wasn't engaged yet at that time, thinking about the fun and the love I had for her, the fun and the love I had for my sister, how, how I could help her, you know, and thinking about things. And just kind of rolled over my bed and started praying. I said, Christ, I need you. That's all we have to say. He hears it. He wants us to be, have compassion, I guess, or lack of better words. He wants us to reach out to him. Even after salvation, when we're struggling, he wants us to have that, doesn't he? Randy and Carol, I'm about ready to close this down. If you guys want to come and play a little bit. But what I like to say today, and I, I, I hope I didn't ramble too much, but Salvation is on my heart for everybody after things that went on in this old world. But I don't know. I really think, I wonder if there's not somebody here today that don't need to come up here. Grab a brother that's sitting next to you. Grab somebody you know that's needs to come up and pray with you. You know that they're right with God. And it, it, we make too we make too much out of this like it's hard but if you never ever did that today never ever did that in your life where you trust and accept that Christ is your savior let's get it done don't be shameful and I in church church family we need to share and we can, we don't always have to share with our mouth Sometimes we just share with a hug. Sometimes we share with a card. Sometimes we share, but we should be sharing what Christ means for us. So let's close, I'll close out and we'll sing some songs, but I'm not ending what we need to do here today because I really think there's somebody that needs to be get past their shame or whatever's holding them back. I think they really need to trust Christ today. And all it takes is about 25 steps let's pray Father God we thank for this day Lord and Lord we don't want to embarrass anybody but Lord let the Holy Spirit and your word that was spoke today convince somebody that there's a, a way that they can have eternal life and Lord I, I, I really think there's some people that you've already been speaking to I think they already know you in your heart. I think they already know what's going on in their life, and they already know you and God is the, 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 the best for them. So, Lord, let's, uh, let's let the Holy Spirit work today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.